Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. Welcome to our Thursday morning. It is March 18th, 2021. Time is flying by. I don't know if I'm just getting older or time is actually quickening. I know the Lord's going to shorten some days very soon, according to his word. And we're going to get into his word today and kind of rethink some things in a very simplistic way. I think it's important that each one of us really know what time it is, but I want to balance all of that uh, information that we're going to be presenting today with an understanding that we are to live one day at a time. According to our master, Jesus Christ, our teacher, okay, our Lord, our Savior, it was very important to him when he was teaching on this earth to inform the people that were following him and listening to him, that he communicated a message to them about not worrying about tomorrow. Because when people fret or worry about tomorrow, it throws them off for what they need to be doing right now today. And Jesus said there's enough evil in one day that will take care of itself. I mean, to try to worry about tomorrow will only add to the concerns of today, the things that we have to be challenged by today. And, you know, we meet up with challenges every day, and challenges are not necessarily bad things. Challenges are actually very good for overcomers, for people that are wanting to flex their spiritual muscles and kind of grow up a little bit. You've got to be challenged by something. And so we come through challenges every day. We thank the Lord. 
every single day. We have life today. You're breathing today. Now, some people are in a very difficult place in their lives today. That is a reality. I mean, there's mourning families right now in the Asian community in Georgia, if you will, who are mourning over the loss of their loved ones who were shot and killed by a 21-year-old boy that did a dastardly thing. For whatever his reasons were and purposes were, he took the life of these individuals. Eight people were killed the other day. And I don't care if you're red, yellow, white, brown, black, or white. It doesn't matter to me. That was a dastardly thing to do, a very cowardice thing to do, to murder people because you have a problem, whatever your problem is. Okay, that's wrong. That's bad. That's ugly. That's demonic. But now you go back into this Asian community and all these family members of their loved ones Well, today they're living, but it's gray for them. It's dark for them, perhaps. Maybe they don't have the faith that you and I have, that this too will work out for the the glory of God, for the good of things. So we live in a world where there are hurting people everywhere. But to the follower of Christ, we have this comfort that we are to live one day at a time. There's enough evil in one day. And if evil happens to come in our direction, we need to know how to handle it, pursue it, challenge it, overcome it and be the victorious saints that God has called us to be. But the rest of the world around us, they I don't know if they have that hope. They may have some internal strength to to bear through the trial, but there's a lot of hurting people. And you and I genuinely are called to be salt and light. We are to be a blessing, and we are to be a comfort um, to hurting people. You know, a rebellious world is another thing. I don't think, in all sincerity, Lot could have shined his light or been more of a preservative or a salt uh, than he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. I think those people, that society, had totally rejected anything from God. Whether it was a man by the name of Lot, he was from God. Obviously, God saved his life because of the intercession of Abraham. But again, to a rebellious, hard-hearted, stiff-necked society, yeah, you're not going to have much. But to the hurting people around you, to the people that are at a loss and, and, and are uh, deeply grieved, I mean, that's why you and I are here, to meet them at that moment of crisis in their life and bring the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ to them. Yes, you're in the hospital. Yes, you're breathing on a ventilator. Yes, your spouse just left you. Yes, your children, uh, your child just died in an overdose. Yes, you know, all these real things about life have gone on. But for you and I who have gone through some of that stuff ourselves and have come out through our faith in Jesus Christ and have been apprehended by him, well, He's comforted us so that we may comfort others. That's 2 Corinthians. You know all about it. Chapter 1, where Paul writes that we ourselves have been comforted that we may be a comfort to others. So everything that you and I go through in our lives or have been through that God has comforted us in and brought us through, well, now when we see the, the world around us, that not, I'm not talking about the in-your-face, rebellious hate-filled people that hate God. I'm not talking about that. The only thing we are to them is a condemnation. That is a reality, that our light shines in the, in the, in the darkness. Uh, they, they hate the light. They don't want to come to the light. So we're an agitation, an aggravation to the spoiled uh, people of the world that hate God. I mean, 
you can't be a comfort to them. You are a thorn in their side, and that is a reality. That's why they hate us so much, because when our light is truly shining, well, they, that exposes them for what they are. Us turning into savage, mean, guerrilla warfare type people, um, that's not really going to do anything. Just the light that we bear, which is the light of Jesus Christ, convicts them enough to agitate and upset their day. Believe me, Haman is a great example how righteous Mordecai really irritated the living daylights out of him. And this Queen Esther, this Jew, all those Jews, you know, this, in, this hatred of the Jews. But again, it was the righteousness of the Spirit of God that was in Mordecai that drove Haman to such insane ideas like, let's kill every Jew in the kingdom of Persia. I mean, that's the way it is. And that's what our light does to people that are so darkened and ambitious for greed and evil and demonically inspired people. So there are people hurting everywhere. Jesus tells us to live one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of the things of itself. Enjoy the blessing of life today. And if you're in a position where that's very difficult because you're going through something, may God send comforters into your life to comfort you. May God send healers into your life to heal you. May God send his spirit into your circumstance as you call upon him as you're waiting for the Lord's divine intervention. May your faith be growing even while you're in your weak moment. May God's strength be magnified within you, for his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so while you're waiting, while you're going through, maybe today is the greatest day of your life. You're living in a place where the sun is shining, blue skies, friendships. You've got some great things planned out for later on today or tomorrow. You've got some things going on. But just remember, tomorrow may never come. So live today. Live today. If you're healthy, if you have some change in your pocket, a few bucks in the bank, clothes in your closet, food in your fridge, and in your cabinet, rejoice and thank God for what you have been given. Just rejoice and serve and honor the Lord today. Now, does that make us ignorant of what's going on in the world? And does the word of God try to unnerve us? Does the word of God try to put us into a state of fear and panic and worry because it tells us what things are going on? No. The word of God equips us. It prepares us. It strengthens us, changes us. Come on, the Word of God is great. You know it and I know it. So let's get into the Word of God. I want to go to Matthew chapter 24. Oh my gosh, not Matthew 24 again. Yes, Matthew 24 again. And I want to dispel something that I think needs to be dispelled in our generation because I'm going to be forthright with you. I believe that a, and and again, prophesying is an amazing thing when it's by the Spirit. Okay, not just something we're pulling out of the imagination of our own heart, but prophesying by the Spirit. Uh, the uh, last couple of days, I believe that the Holy Spirit has revealed that there is a door that is ready to open. God is going to open a door in our generation within his ecclesia, and there are a people, whoever they are, that are going to be invited into this realm of God's kingdom, like Paul was brought into paradise like John 
was brought into the very throne room of God. And we can go on through, throughout the history of the church age and go back to Judaism to the very beginning of time when Jacob saw the ladder of God and the angels ascending and descending, okay? Um, there have been open heaven experiences from the beginning of time. It was always intended for God to have this open heaven, this communion between the heavens and the earth, right? Well, sin shut things up, and only a few people along the way were able to peer in, whether it's Moses at the burning bush, whether it's Isaiah going into the throne room of God, whether it is the shepherds the day that Jesus was born into the earth and the shepherds saw the myriads of angels rejoicing, or whether it was the 500 in the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ that they watched him go up. That's an open heaven experience. Ezekiel seeing the wheels of God, the chariots of God, the visions of God. I mean, it's been going on. The heavens are open over Yeshua when he comes out of the baptismal waters with John. And a voice comes out of heaven. The heavens are open when Moses and Elijah appear to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter, James, and John are witnesses of that event. And so it is a reality that there is a spiritual dimension we call it the kingdom of god jesus called it that and that the kingdom of god has windows and portals and access points and doors and gates and there's all this spiritual reality and you and i who have the holy spirit are qualified candidates to actually enter in all right so the prophetic prophesying right now seek the open door that god is preparing to open and I love what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And remember that the door that we are knocking upon, Jesus said, I am the door. So Jesus Christ is the access point into the kingdom. He is the door and he is inviting us into his reality. I know that he's knocked upon the door of our hearts. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man open unto me, I'll come into him. Well, we've had that experience, but now the Lord is calling us to knock on the door of his kingdom reality and access entrance into it for somebody, or maybe even a congregation of saints that will be brought into it by the spirit at the same time. It's really a prophetic thing. And that's one side of it, but here's another side of prophesying. A couple of weeks ago, right here on this program, I spoke and said, and I knew it was by the Spirit, that there's an event coming. Something is ready to happen. There's going to be a false flag event. Something's going to happen because they're going to utilize this to go after the guns. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And now they're concerned that a string of events in 2021, we're going to see domestic terrorism. Okay, and who are they blaming? That white young man. They made that very plain, that white young man, that white 21-year-old man, that white man, and that Trump-supporting white man, that person there uh, who is a danger to uh, anybody that's uh, like the Wuhan vine. They Immediately, the news media tried to say that that white young 21-year-old man, um, that his actions were inspired because Donald Trump was telling everybody about the China virus, inciting people to become violent against the Asian community and go out and kill them because look what they're doing to us with this COVID-19, a weaponized. Okay, so you see, you see where it goes? It turns out the young man, according to his own words, whether he's telling the truth or not, God knows, but he had a sexual addiction. As a young man, he was going to these massage parlors, and he was getting the massages done, and something was going on, and he went and killed everybody. That's his story. 
Okay? More. I heard it this morning by the people on the news media that the concern of Homeland Security, domestic terrorism right here at home that's going to overwhelm Homeland Security. There's going to be a lot of violence going forth. That's what they're saying. Well, we know by the Spirit of God that that is a reality in the world in which we live. And I expect that there are going to be some major events at a time when we least expect it, kind of like a 9-11. I believe the lights are going out in the cities. I believe ultimately we're moving in that direction. I believe that the third wave of war is rising, and it is going to be a tidal wave. I truly believe whether it's a civil war, which people are now proclaiming that there's a civil war at the door and it's pounding. The waves are mounting. They're rising. People aren't going to be able to escape this intense time that we're living in. And I believe it. You see, I actually believe that we're living in the midst of the signs of the times that Jesus referred to. And so one of the things that we need to eradicate from our mind right now, one of the things that you need to know, that I need to know, that we just need to be established in, is that there is no disappearing act. Nobody is disappearing, okay? And and I'm going to balance that comment out to it in a moment. And what I'm referring to, I'm not saying that God won't hide his people in that day, because he will. I'm not saying that God doesn't have a place prepared for his people in the wilderness, because he does. I'm not saying that God's not going to provide a Goshen or an ark or a refuge for the righteous, because he is. It's all biblical. But as far as people believing that as they are witnessing the signs of the times, I'm going to give you just lay into this. Today, Franklin Graham, John Hagee, are encouraging pastors everywhere, and I should read to you the article is what I should do, but they're encouraging pastors everywhere to take, to tell their people to take the, the vaccination. And I'll read to you the article. It came from our friends, and I'm just going to bring it out there. And here's what the article actually says. This is from CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. Franklin Graham urges clergy to support COVID vaccines. He says that Jesus would have used them too. Let me read the article. With some Americans feeling hesitant about getting a COVID-19 shot, evangelist Franklin Graham is urging pastors to encourage their congregations to trust in the vaccines. Graham, the president and CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse, told ABC News that there could be harmful consequences Pastors discourage church members from receiving the shot. Here's what he said, and I quote, I would hope that the pastors in the pulpit would tell people how they can be saved from God's judgment. Graham said, I think for a pastor to tell someone not to take the vaccine is problematic because what would happen if that person got coronavirus and died? I think if there were vaccines available in the time of Christ, Jesus would have made reference to them and used them, he added. Well, in a Facebook post earlier this month, Graham praised God for positive achievements that have occurred over the past year. He said, 
I am thankful to God that we are seeing a decline in COVID-19 cases and that steps are being taken to open our economy back up, get people back to work, get children back to school. We thank God for these steps forward, continue to pray for our nation. Now, not only was this Franklin Graham, but additionally, Pastor John Hagee, With Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas stands by the connection between scripture and science. Hagee, who tested positive for COVID last October, quote, believes in both the power of prayer and modern medicine. These are not mutually exclusive, said a Hagee ministry spokesman on his behalf. So now I want to talk to you folks, okay? The president of the United States two days ago with Maria Bartoloma said Hey, guys, take the vaccination. Now, I've confirmed this two days ago with Maria Bartoloma. The president said, I know there are a lot of people that follow me. Take the vaccination. Franklin Graham now encouraging pastors to tell their congregants to escape the judgment of God by taking the vaccination, which is really kind of absurd when you think about it. If God is pouring out his judgment and the way to escape God's judgment is by getting a vaccination, well, I guess you don't really have to repent. You could be a sinner. You could hate God. Just take the vaccination. You'll be spared from the judgment. But isn't the judgment against the wicked or maybe against the sleepy church? One or the other, there's a crisis. But now we have major leaders in the United States telling us, from Donald J. Trump to Franklin Graham to John Hagee and a whole bunch of others, Take the shot. Pastors, don't be irresponsible and, 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 and discourage your congregation from taking the shot. Pastors, encourage them. Well, in New Wine Ministries, I don't have to do that. Most of our congregation is encouraging us not to take the shot. They seem to know and they've studied things out. So this is part of the environment you're living in. So if you're a pastor of a church and you discourage your people from taking the vaccination because you believe it may be an etching, a puncture, a mark, or the beginning of something that integrates with your biology, which the other side says is baloney. There's no integration or no genetic code or nothing that takes over your DNA. They say that's absurd nonsense. So you're living in a time of divided thought. I mean, it's so powerful. The only way you are going to know what to do is by not looking at Donald Trump, not looking at Franklin Graham, not looking at Vincent Xavier or anybody else, but looking to Jesus Christ and asking the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom on what you should do. Now, are we all to be talking about it? Absolutely. I did it. This past weekend, I brought what I thought was a very simple laying forth and about the mark of the beast and employed these concepts and these ideas about this vaccination, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody should. But you want to know the truth, okay? You want to know the truth. So you have this aspect of things going on, and and things are swirling around us that really, to the church, to you and I, should be prophetic signs, extraordinary prophetic signs. A lot of people, and I just read an article the other day, is telling the church, okay, and you've heard it probably before, but for that one person that hasn't, and remember the Apostle Peter kept saying, I want to remind you. I want to stir up your pure memory. I I want you to remember what was said. The bottom line is as the times 
continue. And mystery Babylon and the beast and the dragon and all these things are coming to power. And the nations of the earth are coming under the strict control of these forces, these demonic forces. The one thing you cannot rely on. Okay, I'm going to make it abundantly clear. The one thing you cannot rely on right now is a pre-tribulational rapture. You cannot rely or trust or lean on the idea that before the Antichrist comes, you're out of here. Before all the bad things happen, you're out of here. It's going to be the doctrine of imminency any moment now, any moment Get ready. The rapture could happen any moment. It's a secret pre-trib rapture any moment. You cannot rely on that. Why? Because it's not true. How do we know? That's what we're going to look at today. I want to do it again. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 24. And I hope you're up to the journey one more time. And we'll take a look at what most people are talking about about this issue and why they believe it. And I don't know why. I, I just can't figure out why. People say, well, all you got to do to know that there's a pre-tribulational rapture is read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 or read Revelation chapter 4. Those are their main scriptures. And you go, okay, I will read 1 Thessalonians 4, and I'm going to look for, with earnest and sincerity, I'm going to actually look for the pre-tribulational rapture. Okay? I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to read it. I'm going to earnestly look for the pre-tribulational rapture. I'm going to look for it. Praise God. I want to find it. But I'm going to start in Matthew 24. Jesus went out, departed from the temple. His disciples came to him. And again, for your cross-referencing, if you go to Mark chapter 13, you'll find that there are four disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Peter, James, John, and Andrew that are with Jesus. Those are the specific disciples that are there. Jesus went out, departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. All right, so massive temple stones, the massive buildings. There must have been beautiful, like who knows. And Jesus stuns them when he says, you see all this? Not one stone upon another. Well, that incites them to verse two or verse three. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, having said that to them, the disciples came unto him privately, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, according to Mark 13, saying, tell us, When shall these things be? And I believe that they are referring directly to when are the temple stones going to be thrown down? When are these buildings, these great buildings going to be destroyed? I believe they were referring to their generation because Jesus spoke directly to the temple that they were pointing at. And he said, not one stone upon another. And we know that was fulfilled in 70 AD. We know that. But let's go on. They didn't just ask him, when shall these things be? But they went on to say, and what shall be the sign of your coming? Your coming. And of the end of the world. So if you are listening carefully, 
these four disciples are asking Jesus three questions. When will these, the temple be destroyed in these buildings? When will they be thrown down, not one stone upon another? And number two question, when or what shall be the sign of your coming? So they know something about his coming and the end of the world. Now, you can apply, okay, you can try to do this, to take all those three questions into the 70 AD event. And this is where hyperpreterism comes into view. The hyperpreterists will say that those three questions were answered in 70 AD. They will refer you to sources like Josephus. And you will read in there that uh, in 70 AD, they saw Jesus coming with an army on a white horse, and uh, the end of the Jewish world took place at that time with the destruction of the temple. But there's a problem with that, and we have to look at the problem. The problem with the idea of hyperpreterism is that associated with the coming of the Lord, that he's supposed to set up his kingdom. So the hyperpreterists will tell you that we've been in the millennial kingdom for 2,000 years. And I have a problem with that. The problem I have with that is if Jesus is the all ruler in this earth and it was his kingdom and his millennial rule and reign of righteousness in the earth, why did the church go into tribulation, persecution, thrown to the lion's den? Why did we have the dark ages? Why did we go to the crusades? Why were there inquisitions? Why was there the nasty reformation inquisition period of time? Why have there been wars and rumors of wars and famine and pestilence and death all along? Why did we get into World War I? Why World War II? Why the Bolshevik Revolution? Why 50 million kill- killed during that time or 75 million through a bubonic plague? You're telling me that the righteous rule of Jesus Christ, the King of glory, he came in 70 AD. He has set up his millennial kingdom. We've been in it for 2,000 years, and this is all the righteousness of God. This is what we can expect with the righteous rule of Jesus Christ? No. Emphatically baloney. When the Lord rules, there will be no devil in operation. There will be no beast. There will be no dragon. There will be no mystery Babylon. The world will be subdued under the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That has not happened. So, first of all, hyperpreterism, we've got to sweep that idea aside and look more maturely at the three questions. Lord, when will the temple be destroyed in all these buildings? When is it going to come to an end? But we also don't know, when are you coming And what will be the sign of the end of the world or the age or the ages, the aeon? What will be the sign of that all happening? Well, Jesus is now going to answer all three questions. Okay? And so we have to look at this. Go back 2,000 years. Sit on the Mount of Olives with Jesus. Watch his four disciples ask him, Lord, we were just marveling at these buildings in this temple you're telling us it's going to be destroyed well when is that going to happen and when are you going to come and when are what is the sign of the end of the world what's the sign of all these things what should we be looking for well jesus answered and said unto them in verse four and this is a this is the lord's prophetic 
prophesying, foreknowledge, having been to the end. He's from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, right? He's already been to the future. He knows the end of all things. He's God Almighty is, is, is there, right? So Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed. So imagine the first words out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we're looking for the truth, right? We're just looking for the truth. We're not honestly trying to establish what we say we believe just for the sake of, I don't want to be wrong. No, we want to know the truth. And I know as we read scripture, and I've studied preterism and hyperpreterism, they will tell you that the last 2,000 years has been the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And my answer to that is, number one, Jerusalem didn't even exist, and the Jewish people did not even exist for 1,900-some-odd years. The Jewish people were scattered, being persecuted, thrown into the chambers of death. And I'm not going to just spend, I'm not spending any more time talking about that right now, but that doesn't happen under the righteous rule and reign of Jesus Christ, okay? That happens in a demonically inspired world where the God of this world is still in control, So the first thing he says is take heed. Number one, that no man deceive you. So he's telling his disciples, don't let anybody deceive you. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. That's the Lord Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to speak truth to you. So take heed. Be careful. Be cautious. Don't let any man deceive you. Why? For many shall come in my name. In other words, I think a lot of people are going to come saying, thus saith the Lord. They're going to come in the name of the Lord. And they're going to have a lot of things to say. And they're going to say, I am Christ. Now, I heard a sister many years ago say that the word Christ means the anointing or the anointed one, Christ, the charis, right? The anointing. So a lot of people are going to come and say, I am anointed by God to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I'm anointed to tell you the truth, but be careful, he said. And then there may actually be people that will show up in the world and say, I am the Christ. I am the anointed one. I'm another manifestation of the anointed one. Okay. We know better than that. But when people come who are anointed, I have the the golden oil of anointing is all over my life. I am anointed to tell you these things. We have to beware. Be careful for anybody. Okay, let's go to the truth. Jesus is saying this. And they shall deceive many. And the word many is always plurus, which always means the majority. So the majority of people that are even called disciples can be deceived are going to deceive many people in the world and disciples of Christ. Verse 6, that's the first thing he said, watch out for. And he's answering the questions. He's got three questions to answer. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. So there, isn't it funny they're asking about the destruction of the temple, the coming of Christ, The end of the world, and he says, watch out for deception. Just be careful about deception, all kinds of deception. People are going to be saying this, that, the other thing. They're going to say, the resurrection is already passed. That was one of the things 
that happened in Timothy where Paul says there have been preaching that the resurrection was over, already passed, overthrowing the faith of some. So there's a lot of deception that overthrows the faith of the people. You and I are 2,000 years down the road. We're hearing the message of Christ fresh. For ourselves. Now, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, they may have heard of wars and rumors of wars back then. The Roman Empire, right? They may have. See that you be not troubled. I want to ask you a question. For the last 2,000 years, wherever the true ecclesia believers have grown together. The church has been an organic outgrowth, right? It's been around since the Holy Spirit fell in the lives of people. The true church is people. The body of Christ is organic. It's not necessarily organizational structure. And so the organic body of Christ has just grown. It's growing from generation to generation. Has there been deception in every generation? Have there been liars? Have there been deceivers? Yes. Have there been wars and rumors of wars in the last 2,000 years from generation to generation? Most likely. There's always been somebody talking about a war or a rumor of wars, okay? But he said, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We're hearing of wars in our generation right now. We're talking about Russia, China, the United States, uh, the war on terror, um, Middle Eastern Islamic war, domestic terrorism, civil war, revolutionary. I mean, we're hearing it all the time in our generation. So it does exist. Deception. There are many people saying they're anointed talking about the word of God. There are people that we claim to, that claim to be anointed that are telling us there's a pre-trib rapture. Now there are people that claim to be anointed that are telling you to take the vaccination. So let's think about it for just a moment. So you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Don't get into anxiousness. Don't get unnerved. Don't become unsettled. Okay? And you hear it all. And praise God, there are people that are willing to hear, absorb the information, but not get moved by it not be troubled by it. They only see it as another sign of the times. This is what Jesus said. He said, you're going to hear it. Don't reject it. Hear it. Absorb it. But don't be moved by it. Don't you be troubled by it. And that's what he said. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. So Jesus is talking about the end, okay? For nation shall rise against nation. Now you wonder, the Lord sitting down, what is he seeing in his mind? He's speaking, but he's seeing nation rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He's seeing something going on. And there shall be famines plural, and pestilences, plural, and earthquakes, plural, in diverse places. And then you look to some of the others, like Mark 13, and it talks there'll be commotions and, and, and other stuff that's going on. So Jesus is saying there's going to be 
global occurrences, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in different places. So there's, there's going to be a time of global upheaval. And then he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. All right? The beginning of sorrows. The beginning. This is just the beginning. So have there been earthquakes and pestilences and famines? Have, there, have we seen kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation for 2,000 years? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always existed since the time that Jesus left this planet. These things have existed. And every generation of believers had a, a, a responsibility to study the word, to look at it and say, could we be the generation? Every one of them should have been sober, alert, watching, because nobody knew. But remember that a thousand years of the Lord is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. So 2,000 years, two days in the economy of the kingdom, generation to generation. And remember, a generation being 40 years at other times, it's 70 and 80, but 40 years is a generation. We are the 50th generation. In other words, we are the Jubilee generation. We're the 50th, the year 2000 to 2040. So anyways, we're in the context of the 50th Jubilee generation. Most likely, we're going to see these things fulfilled in our generation. But these things have always existed. We don't argue that. No problem. Then he said, this is going to happen. Because these are, when you see these signs in your generation, now look for this sign. Then shall they deliver you. That word then in verse 9 is the biggest word ever because it says the beginning of sorrows, global turmoil, global earthquakes, global famines, global upsettings, uh, economies being upset, turmoil, commotion to unsettle, things not settled, things not peaceful, things not resting, things turmoil. Well, we're witnessing it in our world, in our generation right now as well. But then shall they deliver you. Now he's talking directly to the disciples. Okay? Jesus is now directing his conversation at them. He just explains about the global turmoil, nations, kingdoms, talking about different places all over the world. It's general turmoil. It's always been there, but the time will come when it will accelerate. It will intensify. It will increase. It will become a global and, and the world will be much smaller at this time. I believe that it says this, then shall they deliver you up disciples, no longer general disciples to be afflicted. Now, what I'd like to do, if you'll be patient with me, I want to just bring a few definitions because I believe this is important to do. And I want to go into this part of the prophecy. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 24. And in my trusty concordance, we're going to get to verse 9. All right, so. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. We're asking three questions, okay? And they're asking these questions, these four disciples, for all disciples throughout all ages. He says they're going to deliver you up to the philipsis is the Greek word. It means a pressing, pressing together, pressure. Literally, 
oppression, tribulation. Okay, so Jesus is already mentioning within the context of a global disorder, commotion, trouble everywhere, wars, rumors of wars, deception, all that stuff. Now comes pressure against the disciples, affliction. Again, the word is philipsis. It's where we get the Greek word tribulation. So this pressure is coming. It is interesting that we just a few days ago came into the true year 5781, which means to pack your bags, affliction, anguish, pressure. Could the year 2021 be the beginning of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth? Could be. We'll see. Time will tell. But here it is. Let's go back. And not only does he say that you'll be delivered up to be afflicted, you've heard the reports that the last hundred years, there has been more Christian persecution in the world than any other time in the history of the church age. And there have been more martyrs and more persecution If you were to combine the last 1,900 years, what's happening in the last 100 years has been exponential. And what we've just seen in Syria, Nigeria, in other parts of the world, the underground church in China, you could even bring that number closer. And Jesus said this was going to happen. Okay? Signs of the times, persecution against the church. Now, the disciples. He says, and they shall kill you. So they're going to deliver you up to be afflicted with pressure, anguish, burden, and shall kill you. We don't need any definition on that. It's what it means. They're going to kill you. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, answering their question, foreknowledging. It happened to them. I mean, you go back and to the early church age, and Nero and his persecutions, which Nero, Caesar, adds up to 666. I mean, they figured that out. So there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot that was going on. The Christian church was being persecuted. The apostle Paul, whose name was Saul, was throwing him into prison. Pressure came. They killed them. I mean, we get that, okay? And then the 70 AD event of being stuck in the city, and people that didn't escape into the mountains were eating their children, you know, the whole thing. They're going to kill you. But did it stop in 70 AD? Or was that the beginning of what would go on for 2,000 years within the church age? Well, it's obvious if we're experiencing more now than in 1,900 years combined, that obviously we fit into this pattern. Okay? So they will kill you. And you, disciples, shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So because your love for the name of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, for his name's sake, the the one you live for, the one you're willing to die for, but because of his name, you will be hated of all nations. Well, the Jews brought most of the persecution against the Christians, and then the fire in Rome, yes, the Roman Empire kind of hated them and blamed them. Nero did. He had this Antichrist thing going on in him. But it didn't stop in 70 AD. 
It didn't end in 70 AD, and all of a sudden we're in the peaceful millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It's been ongoing. This has been going on for two millennial days, two millennial days, and it's now exponentially rising. Let's see if we can find any further evidence, but I want to ask you a question. Okay. Anywhere so far in nine verses, did Jesus once mention a pre-tribulational rapture? Nine verses we've read. Did he even hint at a pre-trib rapture for his special disciples? Because really, if anybody was going to be a recipient of the pre-trib rapture, and that was the time of his coming and the end of the world, they should have been the ones to get out of there. But instead, what did he tell them? They're going to round you up. They're going to afflict you. They're going to kill you. They're going to hate you. Were the disciples killed? Yes. Throughout the age, the last 2,000 years, have disciples been killed? Have the church been hated? Has there been affliction, persecution? Yes. Is it coming stronger now than ever before? Last 100 years, emphatically, yes. Will it even more intensify as we get closer to the beginning of that three-and-a-half-year great global tribulation? Yes. Jesus went on to say this in verse 10. Then... Because of the situation of being afflicted and killed and hated, then shall many, or the majority of disciples, he's talking about disciples, be offended. Ah, the word offended is the scandalizo. It's a scandal. It means to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall. That's what the word offend means. So people are going to be offended by the actions of others, and they're going to stumble over their actions, and they're going to fall away from the faith, the apostasy. They're going to defect from the truth. And how are they going to fall away? There's even greater definition. It also means, scandalizo, to entrap, to trip up, to cause to stumble, to entice to sin, apostasy, so it's all right there. So many are going to apostatize, okay, and shall betray one another. So those who are offended are going to betray others. And that word betray there is the paradidomi, and that word literally means, and it's a big one, to surrender or yield up others to persecution. To cast or to commit or deliver up. To put in hazard or put in prison. Judas betrayed Jesus, but in the last days, the spirit of Judas will be running rampant among disciples. Remember, Judas was a disciple. And there are disciples who are going to be offended, who are going to apostatize, that are going to betray their brethren. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And he went on to say, they shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So the offended disciples are going to detest 
especially persecute their brothers. And how many disciples are going to be offended? How many disciples are going to hate? How many disciples are going to betray? The majority. Can you imagine? I mean, you're a disciple. You're you're Peter, James, John, or Andrew, and you're sitting here listening to Jesus, and he's saying, he's telling you this information. You're going, what? The the most of the disciples are going to betray? They're going to hate? They're going to fall away? Who are you talking about? Well, Jesus is, again, projecting what's going to happen throughout the church age, and particularly right before the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth, the global great tribulation. Let's go on. He says this, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now, in context, I believe that the many false prophets that shall rise, false apostles, false prophets, false teachers, false pastors, because I believe there's going to be a church system, a powerful mega church system globally around the world. And the offended, betraying, hateful disciples are going to be gathered together in these mega churches being told they're still saved by grace. I believe that. They're going to hear a message that you're forgiven, and they're going to be swayed to really persecute those bad Christians that are going all the way with Jesus. They're going to really dislike those bad Christians. They're going to be so offended by them, and what is offending them? Their righteousness. The righteousness of the true disciples is going to be the greatest offense to the unrighteous facade Believers. In other words, we're the righteousness of God, but they're not righteous. Okay? So it's a whole story. But there will be events going on in the world, too, of persecution that's going to create the offense. This is going to happen. And you believe it? I mean, this is what Jesus said. And then they're going to deceive many. Verse 12 says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love, the majority, shall wax cold. Let me give you the word many. It's the same word used every time, just so you know. It's the polos, okay, or the pulos, however you want to say it. And it means many, much, large. And then it gets into this definition as the much, and it gets into the plenteous, largely, the abundant. Um, it, It gets into that kind of definition there. Many, much, large. So the majority So now, why why is the love of many going to wax cold? Why is love going to wax cold? Because iniquity shall abound. Iniquity is perversion and depravity. In this word, it's the anomia. It means illegality. So we talk about lawlessness. The lawless one is coming, a condition of without law. So in other words, the law of God will no longer restrain the actions of those who are going to hate and betray, right? The offended ones are not going to live by the law of God, whether that law, Torah, is to love one another, right? That's the highest law of God, love one another, love God with all your heart. Well, if you're betraying and hating your brother, well, you are obviously no longer under law because iniquity, violation of law, wickedness, transgression, unrighteousness, illegality, this is iniquity, lawlessness, okay? And because iniquity shall what? Abound. 
the love, the agape love, the affectionate, benevolent love of many shall wax cold. And that phrase there, the suko, to wax cold literally is to breathe. It denotes probably forcible respiration. And it talks about evaporation or a reduction of temperature by evaporation. So something is evaporating, the love. The temperature is cooling because of the evaporation. Something's being taken out of the believer. The temperature begins to go cold. And you know Jesus said, don't be lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Be cold or hot. So when the temperature in a believer begins to subside and they begin to come cold, that is a danger sign. That is a warning that something has offended you in your heart. You may not even know what it is, but something's bothering you deeply. And you got to correct this now. Quicken your heart to do so. Get the love back. Get the fire back. Get the passion back. Get the heat back. Let your love grow. Love your enemies. Love everybody. Love yourself. Love God. Love your enemies. Love. Get your love hot. Okay? This is important. You've got to do it. I've got to do it. Now, enough to go on in one life to kill anybody's love, but we can't let it happen. And thank God for the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 13, Jesus said, But he that shall endure Unto the end, the same shall be saved. What a statement. He that shall endure to the end. That word endures, the hupameno, and that hupameno literally means to remain. So those who remain. In other words, those whose love doesn't wax cold, those who don't hate, those who won't betray, those who remain, abide, persevere under misfortune and trials, to hold fast to one's faith in Christ, to bear bravely and calmly ill treatments, to stay under, to have fortitude. This is what is in us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Have this quality of character. This is what should have been forged inside of us through the fiery trials that we've gone through. A character to remain, an ability to go through. Man, without it, we're not going to do it, right? So this is important. I want to ask you a question. Anywhere in 13 verses has Jesus Christ once hinted at a disappearing act. Any disciples, any mention, any thought, surely it must be in the next verses about a secret pre-trib imminent rapture. Surely it's got to be here because this is what they say. But let's go look a little further. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. So far, I didn't find one thing where Jesus said, it's all, you're just going to disappear. Don't worry about it. No, I heard him say you're going to be killed and hated and betrayed. Yuck. Right? So now... He says in verse 14, in this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, and that's why the other side of our teaching must be the kingdom, hallelujah, shall be preached in all the world. So this has to happen. 
the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. What do you think Jesus was looking at? Just the Judeo-Christian world at that time? No, he says nations and kingdoms, and he knows. He's seen the end. The devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and they're good. And, and remember tempting Jesus? He sees all of this. He knew today. He sees it all, right? And he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. In our generation, we had the 1040 window. There was like a little window of time to reach the unpreached nations. Do you know that there are nations, there are people groups on this earth that have yet to hear the gospel in our generation? It's fact. But he said the gospel will be preached in all the world. Now, through modern technology, cell phones, computers, internet, television, radio, you know, all these different devices, the gospel is traveling through the airwaves all over the world, except for those very remote places where missionaries hazard their lives to go and bring them the message. God bless the missionaries. Then shall the end come. Hmm. Verse 15. So Jesus just told us what has to happen. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. What is that? That's the Antichrist standing in the holy place in the temple of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and Revelation 11 talk to us about it, but particularly Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You want to go see it? Because here's what he says. It says, When you therefore shall see, perceive, recognize the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, which you can go back and Daniel tells you about the man of sin, the Antichrist. There's, when you see it, stand in the holy place. Now, some people say, that the mosque, the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, Israel, which I've been to several times now, thank you, Lord. The Al-Aqsa Mosque stands where once the temple of God stood. And written around the dome of the rock is Allah has no son in Arabic. Allah has no son. There is abomination of desolation. Antichrist, no son. Antichrist, standing in the holy place. Well, it, it is that. But it goes deeper than that if we're willing to look, and I'm just going to cruise on over for just a moment, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, because I want to know what Jesus meant. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, now I'm going to cover a lot of ground here, so stay with me, because this is going to nullify the imminent, anytime preacher rapture doctrine. This is going to nullify it, okay? This is going to knock it out of the ballpark. Here's what it says. 2 Thessalonians 2.1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what the four disciples asked Jesus about? Lord, what will be the sign of your coming? Well, Paul the Apostle is now saying, We're beseeching you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. You're going to see in Matthew 24 that when the Lord comes immediately after the tribulation, there will be a people gathered to him. Paul is talking directly about that particular coming of the Lord 
And then he's going to even go a little further with that idea. The coming of the Lord, he tells us exactly when it will be, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth, which is a three and a half year period of time, which is ahead of us yet to come. And in our gathering together to him, he says, now, I want to beseech you by this, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ is at hand. Any moment, imminency, that's the doctrine of imminency that is being touted by anointed people today. The secret pre-trib rapture, any day now. And a letter is coming. They're preaching on it. Spirit's coming. Paul said, don't be troubled. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. What day? The coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him. He's saying, don't let anybody tell you it's going to happen any moment. Oh, you're just kind of, any moment it could happen. There's no real thought to it. There's no substance. Just, it could happen any moment. He said, don't let anybody deceive you. That day cannot come. The coming of the day of the Lord and our gathering together unto him. Except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That man of sin. There's been many men of sin. Okay? There has been the revelation of men of sin throughout time. Nimrod was a man of sin. And go on down the list. Adolf Hitler was a man of sin. There's all kinds of men of sin. But that man of sin, the one that Daniel spoke about, the one that's been foretold from the beginning of time that would come, the Antichrist. There are many Antichrists in the world already 2,000 years ago, but that one is coming. Who is he? He is that man of sin, be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The Antichrist is going into the temple, which tells me there will be an actual, physical, literal temple built in Jerusalem, Israel, naturally. And this Antichrist is going into it. And we're on the temple watch all the time. The whole world's waiting for that temple to be built. What an outcry that's going to bring to Islamic world, isn't it? I mean, it's there. It's going, to be, it's going to be fulfilled. You may deny it. You may get into spiritual thought and things like that. That's fine. I believe when I was in Jerusalem, it was an epiphany to my spirit. That temple will be built because that's what they all are longing for. All the Jewish guys that were down there like this, and I went in there and I walked at the wall. What do you long for the most? We want our temple back. We want our temple. The Jewish people want their temple. And it is an act of rebellion, and that's why the Antichrist is going into it. But it is a sign of the times. But listen, Jesus Christ cannot return secret, imminently, or otherwise. His coming and our gathering together unto him cannot come until the falling away and the man of sin be revealed. The little horn, the big mouth, the beast, son of perdition. Apollyon, man of sin, all the same. So 
Let's go back now to Matthew 24. When it said, you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, did it happen in 70 AD? Oh, the Romans took a pig and they put it on the temple. They did. They did. Was that the fulfillment of the prophecy? No. It's going to happen again. It happened in Epiphanies in the book of Daniel. It talked about one of the leaders that did the same exact thing. There have been abominations of desolations many times, but they are all previews of the man of sin. You'll know his name when he comes. The whole world will know. Why? Because the whole world's going to worship this beast. The whole world didn't worship. I mean, there may have been isolated cases. We're talking the whole world is going to worship the dragon and the beast. The beast, the son of perdition, the man of sin. So, back to Matthew 24. He says, when that happens, when you see that happen in our generation, then let him which is be in Judea. If you're in Judea, when that happens, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. What's he saying? Well, if you're in Judea, happen. Now, did the disciples in 70 AD flee to the mountains of Judea? Yes, they did. They were aware. They heard this teaching, this understanding from the Lord. They saw signs going on at their time and they fled. Have people been doing it all along? Did the Jews flee Nazi Germany? Hmm. Did the Ukrainians flee the Ukrainian communistic persecution? You should read the story. They did. Did the Bolsheviks and all the revolutionary in that time, have people been fleeing from the beginning of the church age all the way up until this time? Are they fleeing now out of Nigeria? Are they fleeing out of Syria? Have they fled out of China? Are they fleeing? Yes. Is it going to intensify? Yes. Okay. Then he says, Woe to them that are with child. And then in verse 20, 24, 20, Matthew 24, 20, But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. You don't want to go fleeing into the winter when you're resting on the Sabbath. All of a sudden it happens. He said, pray that it doesn't happen in the winter season because it's going to be freezing cold. Pray about the winter we just had in America. So I know where to go if you're in Judea. Where are you going to go if you're in America? Where are you going to go in South America? Where if you're a saint in Asia or Europe? Isn't God preparing places all over the world right now? Isn't he preparing Goshens and refuges and arks? And isn't he doing that? I think so. Pray that it's not in the wintertime. Watch verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So, Jesus was talking about a time that would be more vicious. It would be what? Greater than any other time in the history of the world. And will never be repeated again. 
70 AD was pretty bad. Nazi Germany was worse. Spain, 1492. We can go on down the list. There have been holocausts way after 70 AD. I mean, Noah's day was worse for the world than 70 AD. But Jesus said a period of time was coming, known as the Great Tribulation, that would have three and a half years of nonstop pressure that would be the worst time in the history of the world and never to be repeated. Why? Because in the book of Revelation, after the Great Tribulation, what's going to happen? Well, in Matthew 24, it tells us, let me get running here, in verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I believe that's the 1260 days or the 42 months or three and a half years, always the same period of time. That's the shortening of the days of this thing. Thank God it's not going to be longer than three and a half years. You've got to prepare to go through and remain and endure for three and a half years. Get ready for your journey. Now, then if any man shall say unto you, lo, he's in, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall false Christ arise, false prophets shall show great signs and wonders. You're going to see that in Revelation 13 in the second beast, by the way, and Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You'll see these false Christs and false prophets doing great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, listen to what Jesus says now. I have told you before. What were they asking? Lord, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Second Thessalonians, Paul was writing them concerning the coming of the Lord and our gathering together. It could not happen until the man of sin would come in the great falling away. In 70 AD, that did not happen because if that happened, let's look. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. Verse 27, for as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even to the west, everybody would see that, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So now he's talking and answering their question. You want to know when my coming? It'll be when? Well, verse 28 says, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. In other words, you'll know my coming is when all these signs that I've just talked to you about are taking place globally around the world. All these signs, that's when the the eagles gather when there's prey. So all these signs are a sign to you that my coming is there. Now look, look what he says in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then, when? Immediately after the tribulation. We're going to see signs in the moon, the sun, the stars. Powers are going to be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. What an event. 
Well, look, notice something. They see him coming in the clouds. Revelation 1, 7, every eye shall see him. They're all going to see him. All the tribes of the earth are going to see him. But notice in 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. He sounds the trumpet. And they, the angels, shall gather together. Remember 2 Thessalonians? Uh, don't be deceived. I'm talking about the coming of the Lord and our being gathered together unto him. This is what Paul was referring to. He shall send his angels. Where's Jesus? He's in the cloud still. This isn't his time to set up his kingdom. This isn't his time for the millennial reign of Christ to take place. He says, when you see this, I'm sending my angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And Jesus just answered all the questions. Has this happened? Paul speaks a little bit more about it because surely, even though we haven't seen one imminent pre-tribulational rapture scripture in this passage, you won't find it in Luke 21, you won't find it in Mark 13. Let's see, we've got to go find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's got to be here. Because all those anointed teachers out there are telling us that here it is. Here is the imminent pre-tribulational rapture passage, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Let's look. But I would not have you to be ignorant. Praise God. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, if you look at asleep, he's talking about people that are dead. So 1 Thessalonians 4.13 Paul's talking about the living saints not being ignorant about the dead saints. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are dead, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Oh, there's hope for living saints for their dead loved ones. Okay, great. Verse 14. So that's what this is all about right now. Living saints having hope for their loved ones who died in Christ. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do we believe, saints? Yes, we do. We believe he died physically and he rose again. Actually, we believe it. Even so, them also which sleep or are dead, even so also them which are dead in Jesus or slept or died in Jesus, will God bring with him? Oh, hallelujah. What does that mean? Here's Paul's description. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. He read Matthew 24. Mark 13 and Luke 21, okay? He, he knew the word of the Lord. He had the transcript, the manual. I don't know if there were chapters and verses at the time, but he knew this is what the Lord said. Now he's going to repeat what the Lord said. 
He says, for this is, this, what I'm about to say to you is by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, there's the word endure to the end, remain to the end, we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. When does that happen? Immediately after the tribulation. Okay. We are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. We're going to be alive and remaining. So when he comes immediately after the tribulation, we have endured to the end. We remain to the coming of the Lord immediately after the tribulation, the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. We who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Oh, there's a no revelation here. He's now explaining the dead saints, what's going to happen. We're alive. The Lord's coming in the clouds. But he's saying, you're not going to go before them which are asleep. Watch this, he says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. We just saw that in Matthew 24. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Hallelujah. There it's all. Matthew 24, it's all there. After the tribulation. He's going to come. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay? This is the epiphany, the revelation of the Apostle Paul by the Spirit. And and the, the dead saints, hey, guys, this is what the Lord is saying when he comes immediately after the tribulation and he sends his angels to gather together the alive and remaining ones. You're not going first. There's going to be an event. Right before that, the dead, what? The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's where Jesus will remain to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, here's the problem. All those pre-tribulational rapture movies and books, the secret imminent preacher rapture based upon First Thessalonians. They never have a resurrection. So how can the anointed teachers tell us the pre-trib rapture before the Antichrist, before the Great Tribulation, is in First Thessalonians 4? When the only mention of the coming of the Lord is the same exact mention what he taught immediately after the tribulation of those days, the dead in Christ rising first, then we're alive and remaining to meet the Lord in the air and the clouds and go be with the Lord. That's the common event. How do you get a secret, imminent, pre-trib rapture out of 1 Thessalonians 4? But those anointed teachers have convinced the majority that that's what's going to happen. How? Because deception is great. But if you read it for yourself, you can't find it. Paul refers to Matthew 24. The really awesome thing is every scripture talking about the Lord coming, he's always in the clouds and he never comes on earth. There's a resurrection of the dead that go to meet him in the clouds. Those alive and remaining go to meet him in the clouds. Then what we know is immediately after the tribulation when the righteous dead rise and the righteous remaining rise to go be with the Lord. Now in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, the seven angels with the seven vials are about to pour out their wrath on the earth. But we're not there for that. 
We're not there for that. Because Revelation 13 is the Great Tribulation chapter. Revelation 14 is the harvest chapter. Remember Revelation 14, he sits on a cloud and he reaps the earth. That's the coming of the Lord. We meet him in the clouds. The angels are the reapers. And then we're with the Lord. But then Revelation 15 is a pause of the overcomers during the tribulation that didn't receive the mark of the beast. Revelation 16, now the wrath of God is poured out. The wrath of God hits Revelation 17 and 18. Mystery Babylon is judged. Babylon is destroyed. Revelation 19, now the Lord returns with his armies and he deals with the false prophet and the beast and the dragon and he sets up his 1,000-year millennial reign where the overcomers are going to rule and reign with him for 1,000 years, five cities, 10 cities. Now that takes place. It's so simple if you just read it. No embellishments, no exaggerations, no attempts to put squares and circles. It all lines up. Zero confusion. There is no such thing as a doctrine that tells that the Christians living in the last days are going to disappear before the Antichrist comes. The opposite is true. He must come before the Lord will come and raise the dead and gather together his elect. That's what the Bible teaches. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says the same exact thing. Revelation 1, 7 says it this way. I mean, just saying. Revelation 1, 7, behold, he comes with the clouds. And every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Everybody's going to know it in every realm of existence. But where's he coming? In the clouds. He comes with the clouds. Just like Acts chapter 1 says, the same Jesus that you see going up in the clouds, so shall come in like manner in the clouds. But he never makes landfall until after the wrath of God is poured out upon the nations of the earth. Which means the ecclesia, the dead in Christ, and those alive and remaining at the end of the age are all going to be gathered together. All the saints in 2,000 years are going to be resurrected. And we're all in our generation who are alive and remaining through this tribulation period. We caught up to meet the Lord. We're going to have a party like we, we can't even imagine. Glorified bodies. No more tears. It's all over. Hallelujah. And then when the Lord says we're coming back and we're going to bring a restoration to this earth during the millennium. So why do we say these things? Because we cannot afford to be caught off guard. We cannot afford to be caught off guard. Now, um, praise the Lord. I'm going back to my board. The number uh, on the telephone number, if you have a question or a comment, the number is 818-369-0326. And, and here's what I ask all of our brothers and sisters uh, who are coming under the influence of this doctrine of, you know, once saved, always saved, the pre-tribulational rapture, the doctrine of imminency, show it to us. Show it. Now, uh, let's look at some of our chat room friends. I want to say good morning to all of you out there. Thanks for allowing me to just get this out there. And the reason why I'm teaching it is because I believe the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth is 
it's here. It's, it's here. It's a, it's a zip. It's a moment from birthing. You have to be ready for it. You're going to have to be internally prepared to endure. You might have to prepare for death because Jesus said they're going to kill you. They're going to hate you. You may be one of those that has, by the grace of God, like the Church of Philadelphia, you're going into a refuge. You're going into a wilderness, a wilderness, a place prepared by God to preserve you for three and a half years. You're going into your ark. You're going, there are going to be people alive and remaining on the other side of this three and a half year period of time that's coming, which 5781 is the year of be pressed, pack your bags, go into the wilderness, tribulation. It's all in the definition of, 50, of the year we're in right now. So in the context of this time we're in, who knows if it won't begin. It's already stuff going on, man. If you're not hearing the tones coming out of the news media against you and what you're going to hear come against Christ, this Antichrist is coming. This big mouth, this blasphemer is coming. It's going to oppose everything called God. And the only thing about God that's going to exist is his deception, his counterfeit church, where the haters and the betrayers, so-called disciples, are going to be gathered together thinking they're saved, even though their attitude and actions are contrary to salvation. All right, let me say good morning to my brother Mark. Buenos dias, santos de Dios. Let today's troubles be sufficient on today. Amen, Brother Mark. Melissa Flesher, good morning. Hello, Melissa. Laquita, good morning. Brenda Palmer, Win. good morning. Brenda Palmer, Win. good morning. Hello, Laquita and Brenda Palmer, Win. God bless you. Carol Carey, good morning, family of God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Praise the Lord. Keith Carey, I'm here, everyone. Good morning, Pastor. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Yep, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. All right, Cindy Messman, good morning. Hello, Sister Cindy. Good morning to you. Keith Carey, good morning. Carol, Brenda Torville, good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Brenda Torville. Hallelujah, there is a difference. I just got it. All right, so Melissa Fletcher, Dr. Franklin Collins, director of the National Health Institute, urged pastors to use their pulpit to encourage their flocks to take the vaccine. Twenty-five denominational leaders met the National Cathedral to publicly take the vaccine to encourage congregations to do so. They were stating that the churches are needed to push this through. Woo! You betcha. Brother Mark says the etymology of the word rapture is rape. The earliest attested use in English is of women, and in 17C, it sometimes meant rape, which word is a cognate of this. John Hagee has always been a sellout. <laughs> All right, Mark, thank you for that. That is the Latin, and I know that's true. All right, David Ellison says, good morning, David. Most TV evangelists, I feel in the spirit, are not working for Elohim. Probably not. All right, David. Uh, Brother Mark says, Moderna admits their vax is an operating system. Look it up. Elohim is plural, by the way. Thank you for sharing that, Brother Mark. Keith Carey, my DNA is surrounded by the Holy Spirit. A three-chord strand is not easily broken. Amen. Amen. Just don't make the job tougher. Brenda says, wow. Uh, Mark says, true, Keith. Praise God. So that is our vaccination. The What is it? It is the JCON the Jesus Christ of Nazareth vaccination with the certificate PS91. All right. All right. 
Keith says, amen, no righteous rule of Jesus in his kingdom allowing persecution of Christians. Amen to that. So we know that's not true. So Linda's 97-pound Bible commentary says, false religious leaders will be Jews claiming to be Christ. What we see is mild compared to what will be. I agree with the, what we've, we've been with the footmen. The chariots are coming. All right, let's go on here just a little bit further. Year 5781, if the Jews are off 240 years, then we have 6021 compared to our third day. You're right on, Keith. Great study. Oh, Brother Mark, did you hear that? We got lots of fun ahead of us. All right, here we go. River of Fire Ministries. Pastor Dave just preached this last Sunday. All glory to God. See, great. Well, praise the Lord. The mind of Christ in all. All right, hallelujah, the commentary is wrong, claims our rapture will happen before the persecution, tribulation, oppression is verse 9, like you're reading, yes, it is wrong, it's not right. All right, so let's go on a little further here, Evangelist Huned Masi, God bless you and God be with you, thank you, Evangelist Huned. Victoria Obenauer, I say come Lord Jesus, come, amen, great message, Pastor, thank you, Victoria, God bless you. Brenda Torville, I love this, praise God. Keith Carey, bye. Love y'all listening in the car on my way to pay city taxes. All right, Keith, be safe out there. Sarah Anchorman, good morning, Sarah. I'm going to have to circle back around and catch the beginning. Good morning, everyone. I hope you do. It's been a good good day so far. Brenda Torville, good morning, Star. Sarah, uh, Brenda, Sarah, she meant to say. All right, so Sarah Ankerman says, the only thing I'm confused on is the battle of Gog and Magog versus the battle of Armageddon and where they fit in on the timeline. Let's talk about that, hopefully tomorrow. Okay, be careful with saying that the Antichrist will be Jewish. Yeah, I agree with that, by the way. I agree with that. It's not biblical based on where the Bible says the Antichrist will come from. Most likely Islamic nations, I agree. I've got a call coming in here today. We're going to take that call. But I want to finish this. The Jewish Antichrist thought does spread anti-Semitism. Well, I would say that the Islamic Antichrist thought spreads anti-Islamism, too. I mean, look what happened to the animosity against the uh, Islamic people when they were accused of 9-11 and all of that. And yes, uh, the Jews... um, Hmm. Anti-Semitism, the unbelieving Jewish world has a tremendous hatred for Jesus Christ. That is true in Israel. So, yeah, who is the Antichrist going to be? It's Lucifer. Whatever body he takes on, that'll be another thing to look at. But I would not be looking at that. I'd be looking at the spirit of Lucifer. He's the guy in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. All right, the number's open, 818-369-0326. Let's take our first call this morning. Good morning from area code 319201. You're on the air. Hello? Hello. Hey, brother. Can you hear me? I hear you, Sean. How are you, sir? Calling in from Iowa? Yes, sir. Hey, brother, I was listening to you, and I totally agree, because it does say in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 that uh, I will not have you ignorant, brothers, concerning the day of the Lord, for uh, 
there will be a coming of a falling away first, then the Antichrist will come, the man of sin. And I believe that, that, that is, that's what preachers need to be preaching instead of this pre-tribulation stuff because it just tells you right there in, in black and white, the Antichrist will come first. Then, then it says, uh, then in the Bible it says that the wicked one shall be revealed and the Lord will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Therefore, I would I agree that the Antichrist will come, and then then Jesus will will take us out of here, and then then when we go up to the the bride feast of Christ, then we'll come back with him, on, and and um, when he comes to dethrone the Antichrist and throw him into the pit with the false prophet, right? Does that sound right, about right? I, I, I 100% right agree. Yes, I totally agree. Well said. Well, well laid out. Because you know, it's, inter- that, it's it's in black and white. It's right yeah, it's there, right. and yet and yet these preachers are preaching. Oh, Jesus could come at any moment. Get ready. He's he's going to come and take us. No, he's not. Not yet, not yet. No, they, not they, yet. they haven't even built the temple yet. They, it, the the Bible, the Book of Revelation says, and Jesus even said in in Matthew twenty four, that when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the temple, the temple ain't even been built yet. We we the Antichrist ain't even hasn't appeared yet. He's he's here. He just hasn't appeared yet. He hasn't been revealed yet. And I believe believe that we're going to still be here when he is revealed. And when he's revealed and he's standing in the temple claiming to be God, like the Bible says, then, then I believe that we will go be be raptured. We will we'll be taken out of here. We'll be caught up. Harpazoed absolutely is yeah. the word. Yeah. yeah. Caught up, snatched yeah. away. Yep. And and yet it's amazing so, yeah, how many people it's amazing how many people are not seeing this. And the reason why we're talking yeah. about it is not just to be right in our doctrine, Sean. The reason why we're talking about it is because it's at the door, this great tribulation. And if people are thinking, well I'll be out of here, I don't need to prepare, that could be devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're thinking we're going to be out of here before all 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 basically hell breaks loose. Uh, that's just loose term. Uh, um yeah, they're thinking we're going to be out of here. We're not going to see any persecution. We're you know, we don't have nothing to worry about and it's it's wrong cuz Jesus warned us. Why would he warn us about the coming of the antichrist if we ain't even going to be here? Why would he tell us about him, this man of sin, if we ain't, we ain't even going to be here? There you go. There it is. I mean, he yeah, warned us and warned us. He said, I, I told you these things beforehand so that you would not be caught unaware. Amen. That's right. That you won't be caught unaware. 
That's exactly right. Excellent point. Excellent point. So, yeah, these preachers saying, you know, you know, Jimmy Swagger, for one, back in the 80s, he was always saying, you know, Jesus is coming. Get ready. Prepare. You know, you could leave this building and, you know, you could be caught up right now, you know, being in in the congregation right now. We could be caught up. Are you ready to go? And that's just wrong. It's just wrong that there, these these mega churches are preaching a pre-rapture. And another one that's that's doing this is John Hagee, like you mentioned. John Hagee's all for this pre-rapture. And they so all are. Perry I have never Stone. heard I've never heard one preacher on television that talked about the church having to go through the Great Tribulation. Every yeah. single teacher, preacher, prophet have always on television. I've never heard anyone say, folks, we're going through the Great Tribulation. That's scary when you think about it. I mean, even John, the revelator, even said when he was in heaven, when the Lord took him up into heaven and, and, the, and the elderly guy walked up to him and said, uh, do you know who these people are? And he said, you know, sir. He said, those are they that went through the great tribulation. Mm-hmm. See, that, that's us. We, we went through it. Remember they that came in out the of book it. of Revelation? Yeah. yeah, they came out of it. Said, they went through it. Yep. That's right. Yeah. They washed their they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Yep. So he the tribulation said, you know kind of serves. Yep. Yep. It's all right there if you read it. Like you said, if people would study the word, it's in black and white or even in red when Jesus spoke the word. It's in red. Yeah. It's just right there. So, it's Sean, right if we were to, it's right there. So if we were to take this doctrine, the pre-tribulational rapture doctrine, and wow. couple it with once saved, always saved, which is That's I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. But everything we just read in Matthew 24 is about the majority of disciples falling away, hating and becoming bitter and loveless and betrayal. There's no salvation, is that? They once had it, and then it was gone, isn't it? So the once saved, always saved doctrine walks hand in hand, and it's a feel-good, no trouble, no pressure. We're once saved, we're going to heaven, no matter what, no trouble, no antichrist. We don't have to endure anything, show ourselves to be true. I mean, it's amazing how these doctrines really flow together, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's doctrine of demons. It's a lie. Doctrines you, of you've got to, you've got to, you got to be careful who you listen to. Jesus even warned us of false doctrine, false preachers. Amen. Jesus warned it's us, true. warned us, warned us. You gotta, yep. you gotta be, you gotta be careful, or you will be deceived. Amen. Let those days be shortened. Even the elect would be deceived. You've got yep. to be, you got to be careful. You know, it's interesting. People might say somebody that is is entrenched in the pre-tribulational rapture thinking, they think, oh, what these guys are saying right now, they're, they're, it's deception. 
You see, that's how weird this thing gets. But yet when you read the Bible, the Bible tells you for yourself. I mean, how many anointed teachers that preach pre-trib tell you 1 Thessalonians 4 is where you find it, and it's not really there. But they've been able to make people believe it's there. How do you do that? It's a twist of the words. See, even Satan twisted God's words in the Garden of Eden, Vince. Yeah. He twisted that one word, you will not die. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he twisted it. You David's gotta, telling you us. Gotta, if, you, if you're going to preach the word, you've got to preach it as it is, not yeah. change the word. That's right. He's a serpent. He's the twisted serpent. Uh, Brother David Ellison said, if TV preachers taught the word of God, they would lose their Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, I got it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, Sean, thanks yeah. for the call, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for validating and, and uh, just calling people to the word of God. That's the most important thing. Amen. But, yeah, that's, like I said, it's right there. If they would do, as you said, read it. But, you know, people read the Bible and then they interpret it as they, you know, everybody's different. They interpret it different. But it's just yeah. it's simple. It's just right there in black and white. And it's it's not complicated. I mean, even Jesus said a, a child could understand. Yeah. Me. Hey, understand Sean, you're right that. on. I've got to get running, though. Uh, I, the, the, no. the bell just rang. So let me get running. You're right on with that. I want to appreciate that phone call coming in from Sean in Iowa. Um, yes, I can never understand if I were sitting in a classroom and somebody was telling me First Thessalonians chapter 4 was the pre-trib rapture chapter. Um, and they made me see it. How, when I read for myself, it's not there. And so that is deception. That's a false anointing. And that's how powerful the satanic really is. Be careful, be watchful. Pastor Vince got to go. Thank you everybody for tuning in today. We'll see you tomorrow. Great questions out there, by the way. And uh, we'll get into some of those tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, have a blessed day. Remember right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, Seven days a week, there's a roundtable discussion with Patricia Joy Xavier out of her book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. Be blessed one day at a time. Enjoy today and be led by the Spirit. Go where God wants you to go. Do what God wants you to do. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom.